Welcome to Whores Talk Horror. We're not really whores. We just like wordplay. Welcome to Horse Talk Horror. I'm Sharon. And I'm Melinda. This week, we're continuing our discussion on lesser-known cults. We are. Last week, Sharon discussed the Fall River cult. Uh, so check out that episode if you haven't already, because, who boy, it is something. There is a lot to it. Uh, this week, we'll be focusing on realism, considered to be the largest UFO religion in the world. Fun fact, Scientology is generally categorized under the, quote, ancient astronaut belief sect. But now, realism is a UFO religion cult. So let's get into it. Uh, so we'll start with the basics. Realism, also known as Raelianism, is a UFO religion that was founded in 1970s France by Claude Boyeron, now known as Rael. Raelism is classified as a new religious movement by scholars, scholars of religion, formalized as the International Raelian Movement, or IRM, or Raelian Church. The group is a hierarchical organization under Rael's leadership. Raelism teaches that an extraterrestrial species known as the Elohim created humanity using their advanced technology um, and atheistic religion. It believes that the Elohim have historically been mistaken for gods. It holds that throughout history, the Elohim have created, created 40 Elohim slash human hybrids who have served as prophets preparing humanity for news about their ultimate origins. Yep, that's where we're going, people. Let's just dive right in. Don't worry, guys. It's going to get weird. It's already weird. I'm so confused already. <laughs> right? I know. So uh, we'll talk about Claude Voyeron, a.k.a. Rael, who is the founder of Realism. Uh, quick backstory. Born Claude Voyeron in Vichy, France on September 30th, 1946. Um, Vichy is an area within France which is famous for its old volcanoes, I might add. Uh, his father, Marcel X, his last name was mostly unknown or lost to time, was supposedly a Jewish industrial refugee on the run from Nazis and was actually a married man who had an affair with Claude's mother, Marie Colette, who was only 15 at the time of Claude's birth. Marcel uh, did not leave, surprise, his wife for Marie, which was a huge scandal at, at that time and within Marie's family, and uh, Marcel peaced out. So we that's why we don't really know his last name or any of his true origins. Um, in 1949, Mom and Claude moved in with Aunt Teresa and Claude's grandmother, who was an atheist. Uh, as a kid, Claude was kind of a little shit. Uh, he was often clashing with his mom. In an interview with a French newspaper, uh, his Aunt Teresa described Claude's home life as, quote, unstable and said that his relationship with his mom was, quote, turbulent at best. Uh, Teresa also said that from a young age, Claude had, quote, a fierce belief in himself that could be described as arrogance. Spoiler alert, guys. This dude's a major narcissist. 
Wolf. <laughs> As are most cult members or cult leaders, let's be honest. But yeah. I was going to say, I, th- I think that's one of the, the major requirements. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so because he was such a brat, uh, Claude was sent to a Catholic boarding school. Um, his mom's family was Catholic, even though his grandmother was atheist. Naturally, Claude fucking hated boarding school. He didn't like um, all the rules and the conformity and, of course, the nuns with the rulers. Uh, he said that he found the traditions and rules of religions to be silly, especially the celibacy part. Uh, I agree. <laughs> Yeah, well, Claude claims to have lost his virginity at age 14 to a waitress who was 20, and he wore that as a badge of honor. But was it really? Was it even true? Tuck that little knowledge away. Uh, Keep it as insight for later. Claude then caused a major scandal at his boarding school by taking part in communion because he wasn't baptized. <gasps> no, for real. It was a big deal. Like, they, Catholics are not happy about that kind of shit. And it was like a big deal scandal. No free bread for you. <laughs> uh, because you're because you're not uh, baptized. Uh, so at age 15, uh, Claude ran away from boarding school and hitchhiked to Paris, where he was a street musician for three years. Let's pause for a quick anecdote about Claude's childhood. As a child, Claude had two big plans for himself. One was to be a race car driver, and the second was to be a pop singer. (laughs) So now let's go back to 15-year-old Claude running away from school, playing music on the streets of Paris. Uh, (laughs) Claude later would, would often recall a story about this time of his life in Paris when he was penniless and hungry, and then one day... A car pulled up to where he was busking, and it was his very favorite race car driver ever. Holy shit. Oh, my God. Which driver (laughs) was it, you ask? Don't worry about it, because he never tells. But supposedly, they went to a cabaret and flirted with pretty ladies and then went home with said ladies and had sexy times. None of the above facts have been proven. The only source of the tale is Claude himself. The running theory is that the pretty ladies were sex workers, though. But the mystery race car driver is, well, still a mystery. He probably made it all up, clearly. And I included that just to kind of give a little bit more insight into Claude's personality. I was going to say, were the pretty ladies from Canada? Did one of them become his Canadian girlfriend? Uh, not yet. Uh, However, what did happen was that while he was playing a real gig at a cabaret, he was discovered by Lucien Maurice, who was the director of a national radio program and conveniently scouting for young talent at the time. Claude signed a record contract and took on a new identity using stage name Claude Seller became a rising teen pop star on the radio and released six singles. A clip from one we're going to play for you right now. I know, I kind of like it. <laughs> uh, eat your heart out, Charles Manson. Whatever. This cult leader did get his own record contract. Yeah, Charles Manson. Who's dead? (laughs) 
who is not alive anymore. So I don't know who we're talking to. If he was alive, he wouldn't be listening to our podcast anyways. What a spirit of. But or would he? And not to be outdone, remember his childhood self had two main goals, be a pop singer and one other. So Claude used the money he saved from his hit singles and bought a racing car. Woo! Talk about manifesting your dreams, man. That is, until his pop career came to an abrupt end when Maurice, Claude's manager, sadly committed suicide in September of 1970. No matter, Claude said, hey, I'll become a sports journalist as a way into the world of car racing. So, Mr. Motivation, Claude, started his own publishing house and in May 1971 created Autopop, a sports car magazine. One of the perks of the job was that he got to test new cars, which led to an in with the motor racing world. Hey! By 1973, Claude was an automobile journalist and a professional test driver. It's almost as if this guy was just destined for greatness. Or cult leadership. (laughs) Funny you should mention that. Um, So now there had been a range of reported UFO sightings in the 1970s in France, and the ancient astronaut theory was very much in vogue in the country by the middle of that decade. On December 13th, 1973, Claude was hiking in a secluded area within a French volcanic crater where he saw a craft descend gently from the sky and land. Out came an extraterrestrial being from the species known as the Elohim, and in French, it told Claude that it had come to Earth specifically for Claude. The Eloha, or the sing- that's the singular version of their name, um, explained that only Claude could pass on this message to the people of Earth, because of course. Um, the word Elohim, in this instance, is a plural term for the alien species, which Claude translates as, quote, those who came from the sky. Uh, Claude claims that he was given the honorary name of Rael by the Elohim, meaning messenger of those who come from the sky. And so from this moment on, Claude is now officially Rael. He's so special. <laughs> he is, and he's very spot on with his terminologies, as you will you will hear because when as we get into like his his writings and and books and stuff like that. But yeah, very specific. The messenger of those who come from the sky, like, ain't no question what that means. So, what is this message? Uh, the Elohim explained that the origin of humanity, which they only explained to Rael, of course. Um, It's best described as a plot mashup of the films Prometheus and 2001 A Space Odyssey. Um, Supposedly advanced human scientists from another planet within 25,000 years of scientific advances created all of life on Earth through DNA manipulation. Uh, The scientists, Rael said, were originally called Elohim or those who come from the sky. Uh, Some 40 prophets in Earth's history were sent by the Elohim, but their messages were distorted by humans, largely because of the difference in the level of civilization between the advanced race and Earth's primitive one. 
<laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to sound sarcastic, but this is like the basis of at least five science fiction movies I can think of. Um, so basically, we're idiots. <laughs> kind of. Um, in fact, in October of 1975, uh, Rael was actually taken to space by one of the Elohim, where he met some of these past prophets that they, they spoke of. That included Buddha, Moses, Jesus, and Mohammed. <laughs> uh, Rael said he was given the mission of informing the world of humanity's origins in anticipation of the return of these extraterrestrials by building a residential embassy in neutral territory. And now, again, just to be clear, this is all according to Rael. We're getting all, all of this from him. No, no other. There's yeah. So we're getting all of this from him. Basically, there's no one to corroborate his word. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Another important uh, trait of a cult leader. <laughs> <laughs> you're 100 percent right. Um, but I'm sure you're wondering what their beliefs are. Uh, and what is this message for us on Earth other than we're idiots? Then Absolutely, been, I'm wondering that. I know you are. Well, initially, the Elohim's message was supposedly that of, you know, the usual peace, love and unity, uh, specifically that the extraterrestrials will pay a visit to Earth before 2035, provided that we lowly humans do away with wars and terrorism. Ooh, <laughs> that is going to be hard to convince Earthlings to do away with wars and terrorism. That's a tall order. Yeah, we, we love that stuff here. You know what else we love? Sexy times. <laughs> uh, to, to quote Stephanie Buck's article from Timeline.com, quote, uh, Rail taught sex unity or erotic plurality between and among all genders. His followers planned frequent seminars wherein Raelians would abandon their preconceived sexual preferences and monog monogamous boundaries. Stretching one's libido was an intellectual exercise for Raelians, of course. Thought to replenish brain cells, practice self-actualization, and potentially communicate with the Elohim directly. This sexual meditation would become a core element of the religion, unquote. More on that in a sec. Uh, the religion is based solely on Rael's teachings. So his claims are taken literally by practitioners of Raelism who regard his readings as sculpture. The major and his scripture. Fucking A. Who regard his writings as scripture. There we go. The major initiation rite in the Raelian church is the baptism or transmission of the cellular plan and is enacted by upper level members in the Raelian clergy known as guides. Raelians are expected to give up ties to all previous religions. Now, I got to give uh, Raelianism props as they cover all bases religion wise, really. Uh, they've got obvious references to everything from reworkings of the book of Genesis to basic principles of alchemy. For instance, Rael teaches that the Elohim scientist responsible for creating humanity was named Yahweh and that the first two humans to be created were named Adam and Eve. That sounds familiar. <laughs> Doesn't it, right? Raelians believe that there were originally seven human races, like the seven Elohim races, but that the purple, blue, and green races have died out. 
Sure. Raelians believe that the Elohim were also created by an earlier species, and they before them, and they before them, etc., etc., to infinity and beyond. <laughs> um, I personally felt that this sounded a lot like basic alchemy, the whole idea of as above, so below, that phrase, like, you know, I am my cells, my cells are me, I am made of my god like for the reflect blah 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 blah. it does that same thing of like infinity on and on and on anyway uh they also believe that the cosmos expands indefinitely both in space and time uh infinity is a very important concept for the raelians again just kind of making that point evident remember that uh, naturally, accounts of gods in various mythologies around the world are misinterpretations of memories about the Elohim. Um, sacred scriptures of many other religions describe ongoing activities of the he Elohim on Earth, or so believe the Raelians. Adam and Eve's expulsion from the Garden of Eden, Raelians interpret as reflecting humanity's difficult transition from the Elohim's laboratories to life on Earth, where they had to become self-sufficient. Jesus's resurrection? Well, that reflects how the Elohim cloned Jesus to restore him to life after physical death. <laughs> yes, I said cloned. Uh, references to Satan are interpreted, <laughs> Satan, are interpreted as referring to the head of a group on the Elohim's planet who were opposed to genetic experiments on Earth and who argued that humanity should be destroyed as a potential threat. And my personal favorite, the Great Flood narrative supposedly recounts an attempt by the anti-human aliens to wipe out humanity, but that humanity was rescued by an alien spacecraft, which provided the basis for the story of Noah's Ark. So, okay. So everything you've Let learned is wrong and it's all aliens. <laughs> so let's just go back just a little bit here uh, and clarify some of this. So, are they saying that Adam and Eve were created in a laboratory? Yeah, we all were. Okay. Um, or the original humans were, yeah. The original human, the original humans. Right. So, so uh, are we the original humans? <laughs> no, we're descendants. We're descendants. And that... Okay. That's, that's gonna... There, there's gonna be more a little bit about that later... Okay, so the original humans were cloned in the Elohim's laboratories. So there was an Adam and Eve, right? but they were cloned on another planet and put on this planet, on planet Earth. Right. Same right. with Jesus. And we are descendants of clones from the... Elohims? I'm trying to like, yes, make yes. sure I'm understanding all this. You are, yes. And we, we, yes, that they are saying that Adam and Eve were, yes, they were created in a laboratory by the Elohim and that their quote unquote fall to earth or the, or shit, their quote unquote expulsion from the Garden of Eden was really the difficulty they had transitioning to living on earth and being self-sufficient as opposed to being like manned in the labs by the Elohim. So Eve didn't really bite the apple then. 
that not according to Rayleigh. No, not according <laughs> to them. Not okay. according to them. No. And so then the Great Flood, basically another another group of aliens wanted to wipe out these clones that the Elohim put on planet Earth. Yeah. And so- then we were rescued by an alien spacecraft. Well, so basically on the Elohim's planet, there's the Elohim that like are our ancestors and creators. But then there's another another sect that's like against cloning humans and cloning in general. And so uh, the anti-human aliens were the ones that came down and uh, created this big flood as an attempt in an attempt to destroy cloned aliens on Earth or God damn it. Yeah, it's confusing. Uh, the <laughs> the Great Flood uh, was caused by a group of anti-cloning aliens who wanted to wipe out humanity on Earth. Um, and so they created the Great Flood. But we were, I was to say we as in us humans that were descended from, I guess, if we're going to go with this religion's thinking, uh, humanity, our ancestors, was they were rescued, yes, by an alien spacecraft, which is what provided the basis for the story of Noah's Ark. Okay. And uh, one final question before you continue. No, this is a lot to take in. So, yes, p- please, please ask. Was Rael, was Rael a, uh, a follower or a believer in Scientology, did he look up to L. Ron Hubbard? Did you come across any of that in your in your reading or your research? I did not, and I was thinking the same thing, but I don't know the timetables exactly on Scientology off the top of my head, but no. He, as far as I know, they were not known to each other. They might have okay. been. I, I, I don't. I don't know. All right. Um, well, thank you. I, I yeah, think no. I just needed a quick recap and make sure I was getting all this. All right. Continue, please. Well, no, there's a lot to take in, like I said. And uh, in 1974, Rail announced that he'd been contacted by the Elohim for a second time. And this was the occasion that they took him to visit their planet um, where he learned that, you know, Jesus and Moses and everybody, they were really just prophets sent by the Elohim to Earth and were misunderstood by us lowly humans. Um, but what I love is that everything I just talked about were claims that Rael outlined in his 1975 book, which in English translates to extraterrestrials took me to their planet. He seriously has the best, most specific book titles. <laughs> like it, there's no question. What is this about? Um, really quick side note on the symbol, because yes, they had a symbol. This is straight from Wikipedia. The symbol initially used to signify Raelianism was a six-pointed star with a swastika in the center. Rael stated that this was the symbol he originally saw on the hull of the Elohim's spaceship. Raelians regard this as a symbol of infinity. Practitioners also believe that this symbol helps facilitate their own telepathic contact with the Elohim. In 1992, the Raelian movement altered their symbol, replacing the central swastika with a swirling shape. 
They explained that this was due to a request from the Elohim to change the symbol in order to help in negotiations with Israel for the building of the extraterrestrial embassy, although the country continued to deny their request. Rael also stated that the change was made to show respect to the victims of the Holocaust. The newly added swirling shape was explained as a depiction of a swirling galaxy. So to recap, and I have pictures <laughs> that we're going to post. Um, the original Raelianism symbol was a Star of David with a swastika in the middle. Wow. I mean, that could not have been lost on Rael. He had to have known what I he mean, was doing when he created that symbol. Come on. And I have pictures we'll post of the new and the old symbol. And honestly, I don't feel that the new symbol really helps all that much. But whatever. So in early 1974, Rael began lecturing on his al- alleged experiences in Paris, where, and that's where he attracted a group of followers, many of whom were science fiction fans or amateur ufologists. Surprise, surprise. Uh, in December of 1974, an organization based on his ideas, I'm not going to say the French ver- pronunciation, but it translates to the movement for the welcoming of the Elohim creators of humanity or MADEC, M-A-D-E-C-H. In 1974, that organization was launched. At this point, Claude was officially going Israel 100%. A newsletter, Apocalypse, began publication in 1974. Madek began raising money for the self-publication of Rael's first book, which initially appeared as the book that tells the truth that year, all about his early experiences with the Elohim. Raelians treat this first book with reverence and often refer to it now as simply the book. Um, some members of Madek wanted the organization to take a broader interest in ufology, uh, beyond Rail's own claims and also desired desire to restrict his authority within the group. Amid an internal power struggle, Rail called an emergency meeting in April of 1975. The feud continued, and in July, he dismissed Modex executives and replaced them with seven of his own supporters. Nice. Opposition to Rail remained evident in Modex. And in 1976, he disbanded the group and launched officially the Raelian movement as a replacement. So to clarify, the Raelian movement was in the building stages up until 1976 when it was 100% declared as a movement. Uh, Up until then, it was Modek or Rael's books or whatever. Now we're getting serious. Uh, Now he was getting government funding. (laughs) Well, uh, just kidding. well, <laughs> the Raelian movement uh, operated among a strict hierarchy with Rael as its leader, duh. And he was referred to as the guide of guides, like Charlie McDennis, the game of games. Rael is the guide <laughs> of guides. Unlike Madek, it promoted a broader religious structure, including ritual practices. It continued publication of Apocalypse to spread its message. In 1976, the Raelians launched a mission to the Canadian province of Quebec to attract converts. The following year, a branch of the movement was established in Quebec. Rael's first two books were then published in 1970, 
eight in a single English edition titled, ready? Wait, dr- dr- drum roll. Drum roll. Space aliens took me to their planet. Creative. A hundred percent. And to, to top that, uh, that same book was republished in 1986 as The Message Given to Me by Extraterrestrials. They Took Me to Their Planet. And in 1998, a new translation. Oh, sorry. That's okay. I- I was a little overzealous with my drum rolling. Go finish that. And in 1998, in a new translation, drum roll, called The Final Message. So they went from like specific to uber specific to very simple. (laughs) Um, Getting back to that whole mission that sent the gang to Canada thing, Um, My take on it, really, based on my research, is that it was less of a mission to find converts and more ditching French authorities. Um, See, according to the website culteducation.com, it appears French authorities were interested in the group's finances and tax payments. Sharon, you mentioned that earlier. There we go. Full circle. And wait, did I mention that earlier? (laughs) In passing, I think you said something about taxes. I don't know. And doesn't sound like me. (laughs) (laughs) Some aliens also had serious legal problems. Surprise, surprise. According to Christophe Dubois, reporting for the any relation to Hubie Dubois? (laughs) Oh, I hope so. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) I couldn't help myself. It's reporting for the Parisienne uh, on January 15th, 2003. Official sources say that there was no less than five cases of sexual abuse under investigation regarding Raelians. Sexual abuse in a cult? That's shocking, Mindy. Truly Isn't shocking. Isn't this shock? I know. I know. Shocking. Uh, Rael himself uh, is no court darling either. In 1991, he sued a French journalist for defamation, lost, and was ordered to pay court costs. The judgment remains uncollected as of 2003. So I'm guessing growing legal problems inspired Rael's decision to leave France and immigrate to Canada, where, of course, he is a resident. And, of course, he's now achieved tax-exempt religious status for his Raelian movement. So, again, this is a broad overview of the various aspects of this cult, but I have to get to one of the most important ones. Um, Over time, Rael's prophecies began to argue that, quote, the pristine human gene pool had been clouded. It was his job to help purify it. In the beginning, that meant treating sex only for pleasure, not procreation, as designer cloning would soon eliminate the need for traditional childbearing. In this view, the anatomical differences between men and men and women are merely designed for one's form of sexual pleasure, but otherwise gender was irrelevant. That quote was taken from Stephanie Buck's article on Timeline.com. Rael says immortality is the ultimate goal of cloning, getting to the point where we could transfer our consciousness from clone to clone, thus achieving 
immortality. After uh, th- all, this actually is kind of the store, the um, the basic idea of this show called Altered Carbon, where it's humans yeah. in the future where they they have these like things in their necks that their consciousness resides in, and then they can like basically move that from body to body. It's really a kind of interesting idea, which is very similar to this. Hmm. It's actually also one of the main plot points in the new reimagined Battlestar Galactica and isn't that the new Cylon alien robots as they were in the original series are now just robots created by man who have now evolved and take human form and can yeah do exactly that they have clones they can transfer their consciousness so they never die nerd Um, (laughs) well and pick take any science fiction book and you know, take your pick and you're going to find something close to this. That's why I'm like, Rael just basically read a bunch of science fiction and started a cult, which again, why are we not cult founders? He should have just stuck to pop stardom. Right? In my opinion. I know. Wrote pop songs about aliens. Ooh, that I would listen to that. I would download that MP3. Write uh, French pop music about aliens? Like, come on. Someone please do that. Sci-fi totally. pop songs. hashtag sci-fi pop songs (laughs) so why does why this approach to immortality well that's how the elohim created us of course duh um again from buck's article quote being twenty-five thousand years more advanced in science and technology the elohim actually created human life in their laboratories and planted their specimens on earth all of the great prophets, Jesus, Muhammad, and now Rael, were actually half Elohim after male aliens impregnate, impregnated chosen human women. Didn't you have a question, Sharon, about like how that all the cloning situation went down? Oh, I have so many There's questions. So, I know. I still have questions. I don't I, know if I actually um, said that question out loud to you, but definitely I've had a million running questions in my head that I'm just like, I'm just going to wait and see if Mindy gets to it. So, um, yeah. So, okay, there you go. So Jesus, I well, you did mention earlier that Jesus was cloned. You didn't mention that Muhammad was also cloned and all the other prophets were also cloned. I'm assuming Buddha as well. They're all, they're all aliens. They're all Elohim. Obviously. I mean, yeah, there are, and they were sent to earth as was, but now Rael's adding himself to that list, which is rather, uh, well, he's already a a megalomaniac. I think we can easily say, but I'm like, damn, you put yourself in the same category as Muhammad and Jesus. Really? All right. And just a side note without getting too deep, because it would be, we could go on for days and days and days about this, but um, within the Raelianist religion, uh, there are <laughs> the Order of Angels. Apparently, Rael was uh, given an alien vision that insisted he gather his most beautiful female followers t- into uh, their own caucus so they could be hostesses uh, when the Really, when the Elohim returned to Earth, Ew. greeted by a bunch of beautiful ass women, and there's like different levels of quote unquote angels. So there's like that kind of shit going on. Yeah, women are there as vessels to bring in the new half human, half whatever ass aliens. Sure. Okay. Great. Sounds very rapey. Very much so. Yes. 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 Um. So now, in 1997, Rael developed Clonade, 
no joke, a for real cloning company. <laughs> Don't drink the cloning. <laughs> right? No, I had that exact thought 100%. And by for real, I mean it actually exists. Uh, Whether they've successfully cloned anyone is still up for grabs. Their site is still up. We'll post the link. And here's part of what the history page has to say. Are we going to post the link? I don't think we need to post the link. (laughs) From the history page. CloneAid, the first human cloning company in the world, was founded in February 1997 by Rael and a group of investors who created the Valiant Venture Limited Corporation, based in the Bahamas. In the first couple of years, CloneAid has already received enormous media coverage. In the summer of 2000, an American couple that wanted to help develop this technology in order for them to have a baby contacted... Doctor's name redacted. They were the first major investors funding the equipment and the laboratory needed, and CloneAid's first human cloning laboratory was set up in early 2001. Now, here's the kicker for me. This is the very bottom of their history page on their website. In the summer of 2001, following several visits from U.S. government representatives in our facilities, CloneAid decided to pursue its human cloning project in another country where human cloning is legal. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, he for wow. real, this guy for real, uh, created, uh, a company to look into do, doing human cloning. They claim they've claimed, they've claimed, they've claimed, they've claimed that they've cloned at least four babies, but when pressed for details, birth parents, adoptive parents, anything, of course, they come up empty-handed. Basically, the government thinks that this whole situation is a sham. Um, <laughs> there's no proof of any existence or of anything like that happening, and the science community just laughs at clonade in general. However, realism is still going strong in the world. Um, and again, from Stephanie Buck. In 2014, the church organized a march through New York City in which dozens of women bared their breasts. Go Topless Day went viral. It appeared to advocate a worthy cause, desexualizing the female body and thus creating safer public environments for women. I can get on board with that. That's like the first thing that they've done that I actually approve of. Right? But a few media outlets connected that the event was sponsored by a UFO church. (laughs) Raelian membership that year reached 90,000 people. So Raelianism is still going strong. It is alive and well today. We are all descendants of the Elohim and they will return (laughs) to teach us the error of our ways. I think of Prometheus, uh, which is the ill-received uh, prequel to the alien movies because that's basically the premise of Prometheus. That's what this most reminds me of. But that, in short form, <laughs> Israelianism in a nutshell. So, did I wonder if Prometheus borrowed its storyline from this cult? I think this cult bo- borrowed their be- like beliefs and stories from science fiction in general. Personally. Oh, no, for sure. <laughs> it's basically like he took every um, known religion and every science fiction trope and just kind of like mushed them together into one big story. Um, yeah, very interesting. Um, 
definitely confusing. So thank yes. you for kind of um, going through and simplifying some of that and um, helping me, you know, wrap my head around it. This was definitely a palate cleanser from my cult story. Um, there was no, uh, well, I mean, maybe there was and you just didn't mention it, but I didn't hear you talk about any sexual abuse. I mean, sex was a part of this cult, but it doesn't sound like other cults were, you know, like the children of God where they sexually abuse children or even in, you know, Jonestown, um, Jim Jones used his power to um, have sex with the women that were involved in his cult. Was there any of that behavior in this cult? Well, so that was my thinking as to why they left France, because uh, they did have some they did run into some trouble in France with uh, some of some. And I didn't get into too many details in my research about like who and why and where all that came from. But there were some accusations of abuse that uh, were under investigation in Paris. Uh, this was back in like 2013 or sorry, 2003. Five cases, actually, no less than five cases of sexual abuse were being investigated uh, and they that was my thinking as to why they left for Canada because they were running away from French authorities. But like what that really entailed, I didn't really get into. Um, okay, yeah, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, I do remember you mentioning that. Sorry, this was a lot to take in. It's so um, much, and like the whole, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this guy literally as a kid was just a total brat and had a huge ego, and then like maybe. Who knows? Wouldn't it be funny if he was actually tr he was telling the truth? Maybe an alien spaceship did come down and say, hey, guess what? You're the one who has to spread this message. Somehow I doubt it. But um, you never know. Hey, I don't want any aliens getting mad at me. I just want to know if there's any successful cults, like cults that have just help people have not taken advantage of people have not abused them emotionally physically sexually like maybe that should be our next episode we should research cults that have actually helped do good in the world well i don't know that they're called cults i think they're more called like Planned Parenthood or uh, Doctors Without Borders or like I know but that's different because that's not a set of beliefs that you join I'm talking more I mean you're talking about something completely different I'm talking about a cult like literally something that you join you don't join Planned Parenthood and go to meetings every week with other Planned Parenthood members and like you know I'm talking about something where someone starts something like this Maybe someone who is not like a total egomaniac who just starts something to want to help people because they literally just care about people and want to help them and they don't want to exploit them in any way physically or sexually or mentally or... Can you still call that a cult? I don't know. Can you? I don't what's think the, so. What's the definition of a cult? I have it, actually, because uh, I was surprised that technically Raelianism is called a UFO religion. Like it, I think it's a cult personally, but it's referred to as a UFO religion. So I did look that up because I'm a dork. And the definition of a cult is a system of religious veneration and devotion directed towards a particular figure or object. Uh, a sub definition is a relatively small group of people having religious beliefs or practices regarded by others as strange or sinister 
or a misplaced or excessive admiration for a particular person or thing. Example of a cult personalities surrounding the leaders. I, whatever. It's definition. I don't know. And then there's the modifier version, of course. A person or a thing that is popular or fashionable, especially among a particular section of society, like a cult film. Okay. Well. Sinister. It's I the guess- sinister or strange part that I think yeah. would okay. differentiate. Well, is, is there something similar, I guess, maybe that you wouldn't define as a cult where it, it started out kind of with the same trajectory of a cult, but with no sinister intent? That's what that's what I want to know. Basically, that's, that's what do my you mean? Question. The same same like starting where somebody made something up. Yeah, I think all religions are based on that. I no, I. OK, I agree. But also I think a lot of religions are harmful as well. I don't know. Whatever. This is is a bigger conversation. Yeah. Right. We can can spend hours talking about this. Um, So, all right. Well, good job, Mindy. Thank you. Um, Thank you for doing all that research and uh, understanding it so you can explain it to me. I was going to say, I hope that made some sort of sense because there's so much and it... Really, the entire time I was researching this, I just kept going, I'm sorry, what? Like, that was my reaction to literally everything. Like, wait, what? What? So I'm glad you kind of were able to follow along because it's insane. So <laughs> do you want to give a um, a shout out to your sources? Oh, thank you. Yes. Oh, well, there is uh, rail.org, which is their website, Raelianism's website, uh, which I did visit. We can post the link, but it's kind of, you know, it's kind of interesting to look at. You never know. And then, of course, Clonaid does have their own website. Apparently, we're not going to post it, says Sharon. Maybe we will. Who knows? Um, there's the always. I'm just picturing um, uh, a similar, basically a clone of the Kool-Aid man being like, oh, yeah, <laughs> like busting through a wall. That would actually be better than what they have on there currently. <laughs> Personally, I think that'd be hilarious. Like if it's a But it's got to be two of them. Two clo- oh Kool-Aid mans. Well, because it's like the, the the site is, it looks like an older, like it looks like it was made in 1997, but it's like an older looking type website and font. And then it would be awesome if it was like all medical jargon and then, yeah, boom. Oh, yeah. Like just breaks through all of it. And then another one does it. That would be awesome. <laughs> Unfortunately, that website is not as exciting, but I do like y'all's ideas. Um, Maybe we can clone their Clonaid site. Uh, I think that could be done 100%. And, yeah. Oh, my Make God. Maybe we should cut that, though, from this recording just in case somebody hears that. I don't want to get in trouble because <laughs> we got to, like, get VPNs and mask our IPs and all that shit if we're going to start doing it. Anyway, again, a side project for another day. Cloning a cloning website. Um <laughs> There's the, always the ever lovely Wikipedia, which I donated some funds to uh, like a week or so ago. I encourage everybody else, quick shout out to do that because they do provide us with so much information, Wikipedia. Um, there was Timeline.com and an article by the aforementioned Stephanie Buck. In this bizarre religion, the aliens who will save our planet can't decide whether they're feminist is the name of that article, which is awesome. Um, there's uh, the article Raelian movement in Ireland. Something gets a cult, but it's nothing like that by Graham Clifford. Uh, this was from the Irish times. 
Uh, there's culteducation.com, which is an awesome website. Side note, love it. And then the following podcasts, um, Cults on the Podcast Network. Oh, no, Ross and Carrie. Ross and Carrie go Raylian. It is, uh, oh, no, Ross and Carrie is a podcast where these two people, Ross and Carrie, decide to pick a cult and try and join and then report back. And they joined Raylianism. <laughs> And awesome. they've, they've got more balls than I do because I would probably never want to do that. But yeah. Um, and then the last podcast I listened to is Freaky Geeks. So those are my sources on this. But there's so many more. I mean, this was a rabbit hole that I, once I started down, I was like, oh, shit. Because <laughs> there's just so much. But at the same time, I couldn't stop. So yeah, it just gets weirder and weirder. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you all for listening to us. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the last two episodes on cults. Uh, maybe we will do some more cult episodes in the future. Uh, we might start a cult. That's an option. <laughs> As always, you can write to us at whorestalkhorror at gmail.com with all your ghost stories, cult stories, creepy stories, or whatever you want to share that we can read on our show, especially if you've met the Elohim. We want to hear all about it. Um, please subscribe to us. Uh, you could follow us on Patreon, which you can get our link uh, from our Instagram page. Uh, rate and review us on iTunes or whatever the platform is that you listen to this podcast on. Uh, it helps us get more exposure, and we want to keep doing this show as long as we possibly can. Uh, please be kind to each other. Most of all, be safe. Take care of each other. And as always, thanks, thanks for, for getting, getting creepy with us. Sharon, you want a beer? Uh, oh my god.